Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is a Donneron monologue podcast. This is one of the uh, solo ventures. I am your host, your sole host for these, Bo. And uh, I said that like I didn't know what my name was, Bo? Bo? Um, but I am Bo, and I will be uh, hosting this one. And our sponsor for this week is, uh, once again, Ashley Luann K. And she could be found on Instagram. Uh, we have provided a link to that Instagram in the uh, description of this video, in the comment section, or depending on what platform you're looking at, you will find a uh, link to her Instagram there. And that is a great Instagram if you're wanting resources on nursing and things of uh, that nature, education, the profession, lifestyle, etc. Very happy to uh, be back with you guys. Um, like I, I've been gone for a while uh, doing those ones from my house. And uh, those were, I mean, those were kind of cool, but they weren't like being back here. And today, uh, Adam asked me the other day what a significant year in gaming was, and I think uh, uh, in the 90s specifically. And uh, I can't think of a more significant year of gaming for me than 1999. 1999 was Final Fantasy VIII. It was EverQuest. Uh, a lot of things that just really shook everything up. And of course, the Sega Dreamcast. Uh, I am holding the uh, Sega Sports model. So right there, we have an interesting uh, story. Uh, Sega Sports was never a huge deal. And you kind of hear the, you guys remember that, CD trays clacking. Um, Sega Sports was attempted to be made a big deal by Sega because, of course, they could not get the deal to get EA Sports games on the Sega Dreamcast. And, of course, Sega famously said, we don't need EA Sports games to succeed. Of course, the Dreamcast did not succeed. Uh, I highly doubt it was because of the absence of EA Sports games. But anyway... I love the Dreamcast. Uh, the Dreamcast, and I'm not the first person to say this on the internet, was cursed by being too far ahead of its time. Uh, this model here just happens to have it. Uh, I'm happy I have it. There's a modem on this. The second Dreamcast was fully capable of net play. Right out of the box. Most people got a modem, and the modem's removable. I haven't removed it in a while, so I'm not going to try, because most of you are probably listening to this anyway, not watching it. But... Uh, it had a modem on it. It was fully... And it, the, the neat thing about the Dreamcast, I remember when it first came out, was a lot of the... See, in 1999, like, the internet existed and it had been around for a few years. But what's what most people find strange is not everyone had it. Like, it wasn't like everyone just got up one morning and we all had the internet. There was a lot of people still didn't have home computers. And uh, I remember a lot of my friends, their first access to the, an internet browser or email or anything of that nature was, uh, I think, a Dreamcast. So... That was something that was really cool about the Dreamcast was just that access it provided. Of course, uh, Fantasy Star Online, uh, a game that has had uh, a huge cult following for years to come. There's still private servers playing Fantasy Star Online. It was one of the first MMO experiences for a lot of people. And uh, because of that modem, because of this design and everything, uh, the Dreamcast was sort of a precursor to this big boy right here, the PlayStation 2. And I personally feel the PlayStation 2 is what killed the Dreamcast. Uh, and I, I say I personally feel like it. That's like saying I personally feel like Dave Mustaine was a guitar player in Metallica before he founded Megadeth. Of course he was. Um, it's just one of those things that your dad says that he thinks is an unknown fact, but everyone knows. But anyway, um, so that's sort of what happened. Uh, September 9th, 1999, uh, was when the Dreamcast came out. They did that on purpose. And it was uh, it, it was huge for the first like three months that it was out. Everyone was talking about this thing. It had so many neat features. It had this wacky controller um, that everyone loved, and I still kind of like it. It's super 
honestly, it's super comfortable to hold. It's just not great for playing video games. Of course, it only has the two triggers. We are used to four, uh, an L1 and an R1, L1, L2, R1, and R2 on our systems nowadays. Uh, the GameCube would also only have two triggers, but the GameCube didn't count because Nintendo went with a different strategy after the Nintendo 64, which we'll talk about in another video. That's an entirely different subject. But the... Uh, so enough of like the cold hard facts. Like I just love the Dreamcast, man. Like it, it didn't, it didn't work out, and that that sort of stinks. But like, because I remember in two, I remember I was a freshman in high school from two thousand, from the fall of two thousand one to the uh, spring of two thousand two, and I remember in in my second semester, the two thousand two semester, I remember stores in the mall were selling these for like forty bucks a pop. That was like two years after they came out, like three years after they came out. It was deader to doornail. Uh, the PlayStation 2 here had been out for uh, for two years already, and it was just mopping up the markets. Uh, this little guy couldn't keep up. And uh, the, But I love it. There's a, It represented Sega's risk-taking perfectly. Sega took a risk with the, the system itself, but also with its games. It was porting a lot of arcades over, like uh, a lot of their arcades, like Crazy Taxi, things of that nature. And it was a great way to play fighting games. It's still the preferred way to play uh, Street Fighter 3. People love this because it was a perfect arcade port, which had not really happened uh, before this. The PlayStation wasn't capable of it and everything. Uh, but uh, I guess the thesis of this video kind of is that the Dreamcast didn't fail on its own. It failed because it was beaten, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It was just flat-out beaten by... Uh, we've only got two of the other... Uh, I think there's an Xbox floating around here somewhere, but I'm not about to bring... That's heavy and huge. But, uh, yeah, the, the GameCube... Now, the GameCube is really similar. You've got the four ports, the four controller ports, four people to play locally all at the same time. Uh, weirdo design, stuff of that nature. Still like that it had a uh, carry handle on it, and Melee players to this day still appreciate that. Um, it, of course, eventually, I don't know, doesn't look like Adam had the modem. No, he did not. Adam did not have the modem. So Adam could not play the Fantasy Star reissue that came out for this. So there's an interesting fact. Almost all of the first-party Sega games that were famous on the Dreamcast before the Dreamcast was even discontinued, wound up on here. Almost all of them. Some of them better versions of uh, what was available on the Dreamcast. Because, of course, the Dreamcast came out. It was the first of the sixth generation. And that sort of cursed it to still be operating on a lot of what the fifth generation had. This guy was, I don't know, second or third? Third, maybe? No, this guy was second. Then this guy. Then I think the uh, this guy being the GameCube, for those of you listening. And then I think the Xbox, correct me if I'm wrong, GameCube might have been last. It's between the GameCube and the Xbox for being last, obviously. But uh, everything that was on here, Sonic Adventure came out of Sonic Adventure DX. Uh, Sonic Adventure 2 came out of Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, which is just the ultimate version of that game. Everyone loves that version. Um, and then eventually, near the end of the sixth generation's lifespan, Sega was just developing titles for all the systems originally, not just porting over their old uh, Dreamcast ones. But again, the Dreamcast was super ambitious. There was a game called Shenmue. I don't know if many of you remember. It just recently got a, a, a second sequel. Shenmue 3 just came out for the PlayStation 4 and PC. 
and it was a huge risk uh, in that it was an adventure. It was an adventure game like the old point-click titles, but with you know more modern controls and everything. But you didn't really fight a lot, and all your fights for the first part of the game were just active time things where an X appeared on the screen, so you hit X and stuff like that. And then you got to sort of a uh, virtual fighter kind of brawl thing eventually, but not that many fights happen in the game. And it's mostly just you exploring and writing notes and trying to find out uh, where the guy that off your dad went to. So it's heavy on the exploration. Heavy, 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 heavy on the exploration. And it just wasn't a game that would have succeeded five years before it came out. But it, it did. And it's just one of those things we remember so fondly from the Dreamcast. But ultimately, yeah, the Dreamcast was just beaten into the dirt by the PlayStation 2. Uh, the PlayStation 2 actually absolutely dumb. I think the PlayStation 2 is still the best-selling home console of all time because what did the PlayStation 2 have that everyone else didn't? A DVD player. It was actually a cheaper way to get a DVD player than regular DVD players were when it came out. And, of course, you had Final Fantasy X, Kingdom Hearts, all these great exclusive first-party titles, God of War, the first two were for the PlayStation 2. And so, yeah, the Dreamcast never stood a chance where it was. And it was sort of the beginning. It was, it was the end of Sega. And Sega took a huge... Sega already lost the console war with uh, the Saturn. It had already been beaten to a pulp. It was already... So this was sort of its swan, swan song. But I'm so glad they went ahead and gave it to us. Um, and probably the quirkiest weirdest and coolest part of the Sega Dreamcast legacy was the VMU, the visual memory unit. This thing was just awesome. You have a little screen here. In some games, if you had a saved game on this, this is a memory card, and it goes in the controller. Like, it just slots in the controller. You have two slots for two memory cards or VMUs, and in the game, you have a little screen here that displays on your controller, and that screen still displays when you take it out and walk it around with you. For instance, if you had your Chow saved in uh, Sonic Adventure 2, you can go up to a little Dreamcast controller kiosk in the Chow Garden and download them to your VMU, the actual Chow itself, not the game save. And you had a virtual pet that you just walked around with all day. It was really cool. It was, uh, it was a couple of years after the whole Tamagotchi craze had died out, but we all remembered it again <laughs> because of the VMU. But So ultimately, you probably didn't know a lot of people that had a Dreamcast uh, because they just didn't sell a lot because most kids where I was from, it was rare to get a game system. You just didn't get every single one every time they came out. There was a few people that had the ball, uh, and you mostly just made friends with those kids to play those games. You only had one sitting at the house. And most kids were banking on getting that uh, Christmas uh, 2000 PS2 and were willing to skip over the uh, Christmas 1999 Dreamcast so their parents could do that. But... So, yeah, in the end, the Dreamcast didn't fail. It was just absolutely knocked out of the ring by other systems, in my opinion. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say, because everyone always wants to go over what the Dreamcast did wrong. And the fact of the matter is Dreamcast did everything right, and we can tell that because several things from the Dreamcast wound up on all these other 6th gen systems. All of them, in fact. And I guess you could argue that maybe the way development moved was just that these things would be there anyway. Like, this is just the way the whole industry was going. But I think there's too many coincidences in the Dreamcast design winding up on all these other things. And uh, the one I'm disappointed in the most that didn't wind up on other things is, of course, the uh, VMU, the visual memory unit. I think that's just so fun. Um, and I don't remember VMUs being... No, I do. They were they were expensive. They were 
horribly expensive. Uh, a 128K uh, memory card for your PlayStation 2 was a much better deal. But, um, of course, the Xbox and the 6th Gen destroyed the memory card because, of course, the Xbox had internal storage. Um, I do remember there was a version of the 360 that came out without internal storage. That's the one I got. Well, I got a 360 because it was cheaper, and you could use memory cards on it. And I remember even just one generation away from memory cards, having that just being like, dude, isn't it neat? Don't you remember memory cards? And we were reminiscing about something that had happened just two years earlier. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that, that's um, my defense of the Dreamcast. If you have a chance to... Uh, play a uh, Dreamcast, I would strongly suggest doing And I know that these these games have been re-released like crazy. You could probably buy any game that was worth it from the Dreamcast, like Jet Set Radio, uh, Jet Grind Radio, depending on what region you're in, uh, stuff like that. These are, these are excellent games. They're all available, but to play them natively on the Dreamcast uh, would be great. Um, Adam's favorite JRPG of all time was available for the Dreamcast, uh, Skies of Arcadia. Of course, I think I don't think he played the Dreamcast version. I think he played the GameCube version. He, Yeah, he just confirmed he played the GameCube one, which the GameCube one, uh, you don't have as many random battles, and load times are expedi- expediated immensely. Um, so it is the better version. But again, I think there's something about the charm of playing on the original uh, Dreamcast, and I, I never can get over just how comfortable this controller is. I know that's probably weird for people to hear, but I really like it. Um, and... Uh, an interesting fact about uh, GameCube, about uh, Dreamcasts, is there is a certain, uh, let's see here, if you can find out when your particular model was manufactured through serial number or something, it's a very, very interesting fact about it, and it's not something we would condone, but you can actually just burn an ISO into a CDR and play it natively without chipping your Dreamcast. You don't need any modification to it at all. A burnt CD minus R has to be a CD minus R. Will actually play a uh, burnt Dreamcast game. Don't do that. But it is an interesting fact. And another interesting fact: this model, all Sega Sports models, just happen to be capable of doing that. Don't do it. Uh, I am emphatically telling you, emphatically stating that Donorom takes a harsh stance against the piracy of video games. A very harsh stance. We will hunt you ourselves and it's going to be dawn so you better behave uh you wouldn't steal a purse would you um the uh i always find it odd when you see that in the movie theater because like i figure statistically at least one person in that audience would steal a purse like there's got to be one guy in the back that's like yeah man what's the big deal but um absolutely don't do that but that is an interesting fact about the dreamcast and uh i will admit was probably one of the major flaws that it contributed to its own downfall but ultimately i think it was just beat by the objectively speaking i'm going to be fair objectively speaking the superior playstation 2 there's a reason the playstation 2 won the sixth generation so uh if you like what you heard here today or even if you don't be a be a pal give us a subscribe and a like uh share us out if you want your friends to hear what we're saying and um get the word out.